Welcome. You are listening to Nard Bites, a Dungeons and Dragons show where we discuss various topics about D&D and all other TTRPGs. Enter at your risk, but beware, things may get Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, kicking it to the lab with another episode. Nard bite. Yeah, I almost did it. I, when I get going like that, it just starts rolling and I start running into Beckons of the Herald of Steel. Uh oh. Unfortunately, no Beckons of the Herald of Steel. Want, want. It's a Nard bite. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about campaigns. Okay? Not political ones, uh, not military ones. We might bridge on that a little bit. We're talking about your good old fashioned campagon. Now, the thing about a Campagon is, and I'm going to just lay this out groundwork real quick, is when I think of campaigns, I don't think of them as being Gygaxian, though we will talk about that. And I don't think about them in sort of the new wave kind of flimsy term for it, where a campaign could be like a weekend game or like month-long game. For me, a campaign is much like the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign, where it's like 1 to 15 you know, a big, long mamma jamma with a, a long string of adventures and, and whatnot. So, again, just to make this even more complicated, the way I look at it is kind of like a pyramid, where it's like a campaign built out of multiple adventures. And adventures are built out of multiple quests. Quests are made out of multiple objectives. So the idea is a campaign's got to be kind of like the Lord of the Rings, where it's like there's one overarching, like, main thing that happens, and within there are all the separate components. And those components break down infinitely, right? So... Let's talk about campaigns. The first thing I want to talk about with campaigns is, well, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I, like that's the whole topic right there. The question is, when does a campaign end? When should it end? Now, and all the conversation that we'll have about jumping the shark and all that jazz. So I guess my first thing I want to ask is, does everybody know what a Gygaxian campaign is compared to like a normal campaign? I am joined here by Ryan, Anthony, and Ronnie. Damn, I was going to say, if you don't say that at some point, I'm just not going to say anything this whole time. <laughs> it's in the contract that we have to be introduced. Oh, didn't get a growl. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know what the hell that jump the shark thing is, but no, I really don't know the difference. Yeah, I've never heard right. the term Gygaxian campaign, actually. Right, so I'm going to butcher this, but I've spent enough time in the old school sphere that I feel like I've got a grasp over this. So basically, I, I, and I swear to God, if the bro SR ever found their way to my podcast, I'd be a dead man. They'd be like, that is incorrect. And they'd just like swat my house. But anyway, um, Gagaxian campaigning compared to like my description of a campaign is more of like a war campaign. You know what I mean, like a military campaign. The idea that it's sort of like an ongoing, like, an ongoing thing. So if you think about things more like sandboxy style, like old school gaming, like a campaign doesn't really end. It's just sort of like an ongoing effort in a certain direction. You get what I'm saying? So it's like multiple characters in a general area just kind of adventuring around. So you're on a campaign. You know what I mean? Like it's a general thing, you know, but there's not really like a super clear objective. It's sort of just like, I don't know, it's kind of just going, you know? And so it's like an ongoing effort of just 
adventure exploration, kicking the shit out of things and taking their money. So compare that to like a campaign like we have, I think the biggest distinction is really just having a very clear cut objective, you know, the beckons of the Herald of Steel. I mean, the objective is kind of stop the Herald of Steel, right? I mean, it took a while for us to get to that oh. point of it being very clear. Well, don't okay. you yeah, that, that is what we're doing. Okay. I wasn't, I'm still a little bit confused on my end about exactly what we're doing. What the fuck did you think we were otherwise doing? I don't know. It's called Beckons of the Herald Steel. I assumed at some point he would do a bit of beckoning. little welcoming jig, maybe. <laughs> you know. Okay. He has so a anyway. point. No, he doesn't have a point because the Herald of Steel has already, since the very beginning, said he's bringing on a new age. He's going to have the whole world coded. Oh, I see. So the Beckons is sort of for the entire plane, not just us specifically playing the game. That's deep, man. (laughs) What are you doing? What is this? What campaign are you on right now? I guess my point is is that making the distinction between like an objective based one like we've got compared to a more open sort of like this is my group of buddies we play every weekend our campaign is just our group of characters we take place in the you know the keep on the borderlands we've since pushed out blah 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 like that sort of more freeform sandboxy thing first of all I've learned to really appreciate the sandbox style of it you know I think that having a more objective driven one is sort of better you know it's more enticing and i think it's because you can wrap it in a box under one objective and it makes it easier for people to come back weekly and do it you know what i mean i just find it hard to imagine having i i can see an objective without sandbox but i can't see a sandbox without objective like at some point something is going to establish itself as the driving force, even if it's only for like one, it'll be longer than a couple games. But like at some point, something is going to show up in front of the party that like demands or like attracts their full attention for multiple, like maybe 10 or 15 sessions at the very least. It just, if it would be, strange if it didn't happen even if the that thing isn't like a person it could be a dungeon it could be a mega dungeon that takes them like you know weeks in game and half a year in real life to clear but like that's still like a an objective at the end of the day that you could find in a sandbox campaign otherwise like Uh, i guess you i I sort of guess you could think of it as the difference between a story that has like a specific narrative arc that's the whole point and like a monster of the week show. Right? I just so, well, you, uh, can, even, you can even go one step campaign, further. Who the villain is doesn't matter as much as the characters have an antagonist that they have to overcome this week. As opposed I mean, I to guess so. We're gonna like, we're gonna hyper focus in on this one particular story, and that's the point. But like, yeah, I think at, at that point, like, what? How do you run that as a game week to week? I guess is 
the question in in the sense that like are 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 you wrapping up these monsters of the week in you know one or two sessions is, is it longer shorter than that it just feels like at some point something is going to grab the party's attention in a way that like you can't just deflect with another like here's another bad guy you know right that's kind of the beauty of old school gaming not to plug the old school gaming and also plug me and anthony's other show the legends from the fireside but um in old school gaming i think one of the beauties of it is like you as the dm you also don't know who the big antagonist is you know you don't know who the big villain is or which monster is going to be the one of the week and instead you kind of let the dice do the work for you and as the dm it's a riveting experience because it's like your campaign unfolds to you as well and it's your job to make you know odds and ends of what has been given to you now if your characters are out there in the keep on the borderlands and you roll for a random monster and you get a medusa explain it and all of a sudden now as the dm you have this whole new character you didn't expect before and you can connect it to the you know chaos cultists and it's like well why is the medusa involved in this and it's like i think what's cool about that kind of campaigning is not jumping out from the outset like anthony said with a narrative and an arc already in mind and instead you let it happen I think that's a lot of fun, but I don't feel like it's very realistic for like fifth edition players and people today who, I don't know, I think are more used to like a pre-written sort of adventure path. You know what I mean? I think people have become kind of used to that, you know, whereas back in the day, it was way more expected that you didn't really, you know, buy something and run it. Even though there's all the classic modules, I feel like from the very beginning, it's always been like roll dice, see what happens, you adjudicate whatever comes of it. You know what I mean? what do you think? I take it from a different perspective. It, there's always some kind of objective, but when I think of the campaigns I've been in, what's really driven is the characters, and it's more of what is their lifetime? And what are we getting out of it and telling their story, not from a small glimpse of time, but who they start out to be, who they become, and who they end with. Uh, like we're, I feel like campaigns are long enough we're really building out something's life. And the objectives could change, but we're really focusing on that cast and how it affects. So I think that consistency really drives what makes a campaign a campaign. It's not like, like even if you think it's a TV show, like the episodes will be different, but the characters still remain and they grow. So that that's, the, that's my thought behind it, that I think it's actually more character-driven. Yeah, I mean, uh, establishing, like, a legacy is, I think, one of, like, the biggest parts of a campaign, at least on the player's side. Like, uh, if, if like, the world, if you've interacted with the world long enough and it doesn't remember you when you're gone, then I think something, there was a failing on someone's part at that point. And just, uh, like, I think... At least in my mind, that's something I I always keep in the back of my head is like, what is my character's legacy going to be in this world? Who's going to remember them and why? And like, uh, I think that's a big part of a campaign, whether it be uh, more sandbox or story driven. That's really brutal. (laughs) I think that what's, I don't know, maybe... I don't know. Again, maybe my old school side is showing a little bit too much here, but I think that when you're able to build a legacy out of a sandbox, it's more, 
I don't know, empowering. And as the DM, where, like, I also don't have pre-planned how your character is going to make a legacy, I feel like it's more rewarding for me as well to watch successes that, like, oddball characters with 3 HP in the very beginning who somehow fucking make their way through, they find the right, you know, loot, and they it carries their little butts through, and they retire at level 5, having bought a tavern and married the local half-elf. You know what I mean? Like, something about that, to me, is way more, I don't know, powerful than, like, I don't know, showing up to a, a game and telling the DM, like, well, my character is a half-elf and he wants to know his parents. So maybe someday I find out that I'm, like, actually royalty, and then maybe I'll, like, become, like, the half-elven king or something, and then, like, have that pre-packaged and I just have to, like, somehow mold it. Like, something about that doesn't feel very, like, earned legacy. That just feels like I have to wait till episode 60 to see the ending that the show's named after. You know what I mean? Like, that, I don't know. For me, I, I do like campaigns when they unfold in ways that I'm not expecting. And to bring it back to the Beckons of the Herald of Steel, I always bring up Jarzak. Um, oddly enough, Jar's not here for it. But like his character development was not one I really ever anticipated being the way it was. Everybody else felt kind of like a light cleric, war fighter, whatever the fuck Klika is. It's like, you know, Ooh. those characters were in a way like i could kind of foresee what was going on in clica about halfway through the campaign i had a very firm idea of how i was going to turn it towards the end but like jarzak just every once in a while something weird would happen and it was like an idea would come across and we're like sure fuck it do this and it's like i don't know i think that's better for a campaign you know when it's not pre-written and instead like i don't know legacies come out of random actions and like i don't know a certain flourish in discussion all of a sudden it's like whoa shit didn't see that coming. No. But. Either way. I suppose now we should maybe talk about like campaigns maybe coming to an end. And I think that one of the things we talk about with the objectives is looking at how like, you know, once the objective's been met, it's kind of the end of the campaign. You know, you've killed Strahd or we killed the Beckons of the, the Herald of Steel himself or, you know, Got to the end, pulled back the curtain, we figured out who the Wizard of Oz really was. It's like, you know, the campaign's kind of over. She goes home, right? Tap, tap, tap. With sandbox games, you don't really have that unless it kind of comes up officially and like, you know what I mean? Like, again, like it kind of organically comes up and then some grand villain shows up and all of a sudden, that's the ending. We didn't know that was the ending until we got there, but I think that one of the inclinations people have in a campaign is either to end it early or end it well past its prime and i feel like this is the case with tv shows too i know we made that point earlier but it's like think about how many tv shows firefly comes to mind where like the audience is so mad because a good show came to end and you know what i mean really even family guy when it got canceled what three times futurama as well now it's like i don't know people get so mad when something ends early and i wonder why but at the same time like people also get mad about zombie simpsons where it's like he's in fucking 87 or some shit and it's like, who's truly invested at this point? You know what I mean? He's really riveted by what has to happen. So the question with the D&D campaign is, is like, no. Would people be mad if we ended our campaign early? And in the same respect, how far out could I drag this campaign before it also got to a point where we're like, yeah, you know, I kind of wish we ended when he died. You know what I mean? But what are you guys' thoughts? Uh, so... In th this is big in film writing, but it works for any amount of 
writing or storytelling that you do it that you do and it was popularized by pixar i think right where you build your story around a structure that goes once upon a time blank and every day blank until one day blank because of that blank because of that blank until finally blank right where until finally is your conclusion right and presumably the conclusion follows from everything that came before and that's when you get a satisfying conclusion to a story when the conclusion follows so people who get mad that a story ends early are getting mad because they've been robbed of a satisfying conclusion and the problem with things going on too long is when after you hit until finally you start adding but then right so it starts so it becomes increasingly but then but then but then but then but then after you hit your conclusion a really long time ago and so you've devalued a satisfying conclusion by just continually adding more sticky notes onto the end of the story so what you're saying is turn all my but thens into because ofs and i'll be all set so when I throw Tiamat into here for absolutely no reason, I just have to like somehow be like, because Tiamat was already there watching. Yeah. That's so you see, it, it, it can work and it can especially work in a sandbox campaign as long as you haven't crossed that until finally threshold. Right. So if you hit the point in your sandbox campaign where you're like, your characters have all retired and each of them sired a line of mighty kings or whatever. Right. But then if next week you come, you come back and you're like, but actually they didn't do that. That's when you have a problem. Hmm. What do you guys think? What's the bigger sin? Ending early or ending late? For me, it's definitely going to be ending early uh, just because any point and th this again, I don't think is I real problem in D and D so to speak. Uh, I guess for like specifically D and D made to be consumed as entertainment, it can be an issue, but like in your like home campaign, I don't believe there's anything as like ending too late. If like, it just doesn't compute in my mind, but uh, I, I think I would rather have something end too late than too early. Just, on the basis that I can always just stop and pretend at whatever point I wanted it to end myself, that's when it ended for me. And everything after that doesn't matter. Like that's with Mass Effect, I, I just never played the third game. So that, that series is always living high and prime in my mind. One and two were beautiful, and that's how it ended. It's a shame I didn't get a third one. Which sucks because Mass Effect 3 is so great up until the final act. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it takes. Is that the one with the weird supercomputer thingy, Sovereign or whatever? Or is that earlier in the thing? Yeah, that's Sovereign, like... is, Sovereign is the first villain. Mass Effect 3 is the one where you get to pick from one of three color-coded endings. Yeah. Nice. So what you're saying but... is as long as I drag beckons all the way to the end and give you three different colors of endings will be all set yeah you'll find an answer of <laughs> when you should have ended it 
I'll uh, tell you that much. Uh, Ryan makes a good point that it's basically not a problem. The thing that I brought up in the India home games, as long as everybody is happy to keep playing. Right. Like, that's not an issue. But like for me, so few campaigns uh, that I've played in uh, have actually reached any type of satisfactory conclusion uh, or you know even gotten close to it that I'd rather see a campaign like fully realize uh, a, a story or a set of characters than ha- then have it go on for a really, really long time. And I, I think, yeah, I get that. There's a lot to be said there about the characters too, just in the sense that like, I, like you might know when your character is done and like that, that's something that is powerful and, has onus of in itself like if at some point you approach the game and you're like i don't think my character would be here anymore and it like you should be able to like hey say hey i think this character's story is done and i want to bring in a new character not like if it if you're bored of playing the character, that's on you. You just built a bad character that you can't have fun with. Um, but like, if, if, you, if like you feel like your character, you know, story wise has reached a point where like, you're happy to let them go, then absolutely let them go. And the campaign can continue. And it, I guess at that point it becomes the, uh, what is it? The campaign of Theseus where, if at some point everyone's character has left, <laughs> but you're still playing the campaign, are you still playing the original campaign? But yeah, stuff like that is interesting to think about because, as always, D and D is a two way street between the person who has the overall story and the people who are playing the roles in that story. Sure, All right, Ronnie. What's the bigger sin, ending I, early, I early not, or ending late? I, I, I'd rather it end early. I've seen too many long deaths. Just games and stories and shows, and I'm like, I'd rather it end early and I'd be pissed off because that means I cared and I loved it. I don't want it to go overly too long to the point that I hate it because it's just stretched out too thin. You get to the point where I don't think a lot of people might think like what Ryan just mentioned. They might not think their character is done. They might think, oh, I have to keep going, going, going to the point it just becomes a perversion of what it was supposed to be. Uh, and I, I think maybe there has to be some kind of line drawn at some point of like when this concludes. Because I feel like if we just got kind of let it keep going and going and going, I've seen things just pitter out. But problem here and anthony you actually brought up a very good analogy i never do that with the storytelling layout but the whole of when is the conclusion i don't know who determines that that's a very tricky thing to figure out because how do you know what's the best ending you can't really know if it's too early or too late i think that's on everyone's perspective someone might be like hey we and we reached the end this is satisfying to me but it might not be satisfying to everyone else so it's really tricky to say like did it go on too long or not because the whole like defining a clear ending i don't i don't know if that's possible 
like this might sound weird and this might sound like a very strange thing to say here but i think that one thing we've seen too because we've kind of pitted the sort of the juxtaposition here of like old school style campaigns versus the newer like 5e sort of you know 20 you know 20 20 sort of plus crowd here um i think that what's interesting is how much players feel so i don't know like deserving of these like grandiose conclusions and i wonder sometimes about like old school game groups like was there satisfaction in like reaching conclusions in adventures even though their characters didn't really reach conclusions or was it the case that their characters weren't so grandiose with such elaborate like character designs and bios that like i don't know like my guy's name is nard he's a human fighter and his whole thing is he just wants to go kick the shit out of orcs and he did that we killed the orc king I took all my money, I bought a hamlet, now I own a tavern, and I'm retired and I'm fat. Like, is that not his conclusion? Like, I don't, like, is that just as satisfying? Or are we saying that we've reached sort of like an apex in gaming where we have these lofty philosophical Maslowian style, like, pyramid of, like, character development where, like, we're beyond the boredom stuff. We're the deep shit where it's like, my character has to, like, reach comfort with their stepfather. And come to an understanding with like why they were left behind and what happened to their pet tiger as a child. Like, does that make for better conclusions when they're super deep and elaborate? Or can a conclusion be so simple as like, we killed the dragon? You know? Feels like adventure conclusion versus character conclusion, you know? And obviously they both feed into each other. I don't know. And I think it's perfectly aligned, but Sorry, sorry, Ryan. I was just going to say, like, you, you used the word adventure, not campaign there. And I guess, like, that is kind of the sticking point then when trying to figure it out. It's like, well, was this the end of an adventure or was this the end of the campaign? And, like, who would be satisfied and who wouldn't? And what do we have to show for ourselves like as characters and as players and everything else at this point. And yeah, I think that should all play into it as well. You know, not to cut anybody else off here and bring it back to our campaign, but like it kind of makes you think about things like character and, and uh, adventure. I know I'm using the term again, but like character and adventure sort of conclusions, like in our campaign, which actual character conclusions have we had? in which like adventure conclusions that we had because i'm i'm kind of reaching a weird point where i'm like i don't feel like we've really had many conclusions for adventures characters have had sort of moments of like you know this makes sense this is where i've reached kind of like a point and i mean like i think about clica with finding friends and finding like family here and like i think about anton being able to like go back to his roots and find like how much of like a traveler he truly is and where home truly is for him. And it's like, I don't know, like are those, and obviously, you know, with Norhill having like reclaimed the hall and become Lord, it's like, are those conclusions? You know? Uh, no, I'm actually going to hard say that those aren't conclusions. That's character growth. Right. Yeah. Uh, character growth happens during the story. Character conclusions happen in the epilogue, essentially. Oh, so I mean, that might just be a matter of, you know, semantics, but you see what I'm saying that like satisfying endpoints where if, if Norhill came to a close once we saved the halls, would that be like satisfyingly like 
the end of Norhill. And then you can move to a different character and you'd feel like Norhill's done. Like that's good enough. Yeah, there me. I mean I mean there's definitely a way I could have played Norhill where he retired from adventuring after becoming the Lord of the Hall. But I didn't play him that way. Uh, I played right. him as a character who was going to see this through to the bitter end, no matter what. So it could have been if I had played him differently, but I chose not to play him in that way. I mean, yeah, there was definitely a point in my mind where I was like, well, are Norhill and Anton going to retire from the party when they like sort of set out or uh, or are given something beyond their station that they had at the beginning like will norhill put his like uh duties as king before everything else and i i kind of always felt from about the midway of the campaign that anton was going to play a very important role to the people of glory wake well when that time comes is Anton going to decide to step away from the party to, you know, be there for his people? Jarzak, not so much. Even if Jarzak became the last orc alive and his only job was to have one more orc baby, I still wouldn't be too worried. <laughs> he would keep on simping. <laughs> so, <laughs> never was too scared about Jarzak being like, ah, oh, sorry guys, gotta Take care of all these orcs. <laughs> so, I guess moving forward with the same topic in a different way, what if we stopped looking at the term conclusion and just, like you said, with development, like, what if we introduced the word success? You know what I mean? Like, sort of like, like or, I don't know, completion? That feels like weird, too. Like, have we had many moments in the campaign where we feel like an element of the story has come to, a cl like, a close? And we were oh, like, yeah. bam, done. I think I, so. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, 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 fuck. Uh, well, basically, Dan, we already do that with the different parts, with our different chapters. Those always have a very satisfying ending because we always meet some form of a conclusion. Um, we fucking first, the first goddamn one, we defeated the cult. That was like our big thing, and that felt like a solid ending right there. We reached. We were done. We were no longer needed in that area. We kind of completed everything we did with everything when Askabellum. We took care of everything we were supposed to there. So it feels like more of like we're taking care of tasks. All our tasks in a place are done. We're like, okay, we're good. It's finished. We're yeah, satisfied. I mean, we opened I every single saying. door guess, in this dungeon. <laughs> I guess in my mind, it's harder for me to see it that way because I know it kind of all builds towards like the big daddy conclusion. And yeah. I like to think that I've built everything in a way that, like, every time you feel like you can rest your back against anything, like, when we saved Era, and now Azkabellum will have its waters returned, and the people will maybe be at peace. And then you think, like, but there's also war across the strait, and as soon as war continues a little bit farther to the east, it's like, well, Azkabellum's now metallic. So it's like, I, I like to think I've built it in a way that it feels like the campaign keeps moving, but sometimes I wonder if I've made little moments of like actual breathing room to say like did it we did that thing three yeah. cheers for us. i mean for me i think the biggest thing that i've observed in like like uh, upward movement and being like successful as characters inside the campaign is 
in the form of expanding influence, right? Because, you know, if you think of where we started in Cooperford, right, you know, we were a bunch of, you know, wandering adventurous hobos who want to help the town, even though, like, a good amount of de decent people kind of really don't want us to, toward, right. uh, towards, you know, moving to, you know, having to make deals and play nice with the people who are going to graciously allow us to be of help, to being like, now we're the patrons. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's that's something I always think is very important for campaigns too, is to see that sort of growth. And again, I think that in more sandboxy stuff with the accumulation of wealth, it becomes more like anticipated. Again, when you look at old school characters and like, you know, reaching 10th level, a fighter can build a tower and attract a small militia. Like it was built in there that eventually. Uh, yeah, and I was going to bring that up too, that yeah. like having an ending for a character is kind of built into character progression where everybody gets to, you know, open a key or be the head honcho of their religion or become the next most power or become the most powerful druid in the world, apparently. It's just what you have to do that to level up as a druid in like 80. There can only be one master of the rose. There sure go can. Find him and kick his ass. <laughs> you got to beat him in a but, Pokemon battle. I mean, honestly, you know, which strange animal have you befriended and trained for your yeah. lifetime? I found a shambling mount. <laughs> but okay, so I guess to put a, a bow on this whole conversation here. I guess this, I don't know, maybe we can talk about jumping the shark, which I know Ronnie said she didn't get, or didn't know what I that meant. I don't know what that is. What and is that? I feel like, one of those things that I've only heard defined through examples, but essentially, like, it's a reference, obviously, to Happy Days with the fawns jumping a shark, and the idea that, On like, when you run out of, yeah, and it's like, when you, when you run out of things to do, that you just keep adding random shit to it, and it's just like, all of a sudden now, there's like, like, if you guys went to the future in this campaign, and it's like, have we really run out of things to do that there's now robots yeah. in our campaign? Well, one big example that I, I guess Dan just touched on it, that I guess because I was talking to you about this before, and it kind of grinds my gears, and I see it, like, a weirdly high amount of time, especially in, like, anime, where something starts off fantasy, but, become, but evolves into science fiction. Like, right. I, I, like that, that kind of ticks me off it worked exactly one time for me and every other time it's just an annoyance so i suppose my question then is like i don't know like is it are we capable of jumping the shark in the campaign like ours like how far would i have to diverge from what we know in order to like be considered like just throwing shit into the campaign to keep it going you know what i mean because like we introduced a lot of things you know, I've introduced everything from, like, weird tentacle things, Sasquatches, fucking traveling in the past with a spooky lich, demons that are hunting you down now, to the strange bandit kingdom to the south. Like, there are so many things beyond just the main, you know, villain in this that, like, I could throw six extra adventures in this thing and it would make sense, you know? So the question is, like, I don't know. Like, is that too much? I mean, I guess, yeah, right? I guess. I don't know. I guess in... In my mind, it, it completely comes down to the stakes you set at, like, the first... Or the, the stakes and the tone you set during the first couple adventures. And I think, for us, you did a pretty good job of, like, 
showing that there were some pretty wild things going on. Like um, early on, you introduce us to a cult that's dedicated to the deceiver just and like have you've planted someone in the party who is also uh has the deceiver as their patron so like right off the bat we already are sort of meddling with gods that we know can be quite vengeful concerning they turn some dude invisible permanently against his will and that kind of stuff and like it goes from there like we end up like i i think like a big part of like our first story arc and like our our first sort of taste of being adventurers was the uh you know impromptu mass tomb and seeing like that sort of sets like oh it this is that kind of campaign where like something like that could happen and we just sort of have to live in a world where right now we have no means to stop or do pretty much anything of use during it. And like, so obviously that if that's just a taste of what's to come, then things can only escalate from there. So like when Dustwind gets completely swallowed up into the desert, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's just, What's going to happen, you know? So, in my mind, I think jumping the shark, especially in a D&D campaign, is fully based on the stakes and sort of tone you set at the beginning and how your players react to it. Really good way of looking at it. Yeah. Well, from a more general perspective, I would say that campaigns regardless of what type they are can jump the shark in the sense that um so i i think that a campaign would reach that point when everybody in the campaign or you know even just the majority of the players are only playing out of a sense of habit or obligation and nobody's really having fun anymore right you know it's entirely possible for a campaign to hit the point where it just isn't fun and you sort of started something new a long time ago for this specific campaign, I would say that we could definitely hit the point where the campaign has outgrown the characters, right? So, for example, I think, like, let's say the campaign became, like, a plane-spanning spelljammer campaign, right? That would maybe work for a character like Klika, but for Norhill, yeah. suddenly the campaign has gotten way too big for his britches, and either... I, as a player, would need to stop playing the campaign, or I would need to play a completely different character from Norhill. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think it it really does play into what um what uh, Ryan had said about like expectations from the beginning. That if you guys were in a spelljammer sort of setting, or if you're like in the city of Sigil, where it's like plane hopping's just a thing people do, then like you know Norhill would probably be better fit for that kind of gameplay. But in a world like this where he's a guy who leaves runic graffiti on rocks, and he was, like, an outdoor ranger guy. Like, having him all of a sudden be traveling to the plane of fire to do a deal with an Ifrit, it's like, I just, it might be too much for him. So I, I agree with you on that. I think that definitely makes sense as well. But, yeah. What do you think, Ronnie? I, I agree with Anthony. Like, when I think of, like, what Anton would do, and even past characters I've had in other campaigns, 
we can only expect them to be so adaptable at, at, at some point. And I, I agree. I feel like, I feel like we could bend it and go as far as what logically makes sense. But the point, the time we start really bringing in God, technological differences, world differences. It's like, unless there's a very clear purpose to it, that makes kind of sense the whole thematic of the campaign. Like if there was a time traveling thing, then that was kind of established at the get go. Fine, but I mean, if, if there if the theme just totally changes just for the sake of change, it's I don't know who that's for anymore. Other than yeah, they're bored and they want to switch it up. I guess the dour point I'm going to have to end on here, and this references what Anthony was just saying too, is that as the dungeon master, it's my sole duty to create story. Right. Sandbox games, they end whenever you want it to be done. I mean, you can just go on forever. Just keep rolling D6s, adding new hexes, blah, 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 populate them, right? But in a case like mine, when I'm running a game like this, and there's no determined ending beyond what, you know, I established, the sour and dark and doomish feeling I get is wondering, is Anthony tired of playing? Has Ronnie, like, kind of grown old with her character and she's over it? You know? How many times is Ryan going to play the same general thing before he gets over it? And so, I, I mean, obviously it sounds very dramatic and very like depressing to put it this way, but it's a real thought when you have to think about your campaign's perspective. I mean, anybody who's made it to this point that they're listening to a nard by like this, they've been listening for a, probably a couple years, which is insane when you think about it, right? And so yeah, man. It's come up a few times in my mind, like, do I end it? Do we keep going? People into it? like a marriage like do we have to like reinvigorate it do we have to like get artwork done do we change things no and i i like to think that like we in this campaign have been very successful in like keeping things moving being very good as like as a group of four players in a dungeon master i think the chemistry we all bring to this group is one organic and none of this is obviously like us being stupid actors on a stage and like you know having cameras on us we're just stupid idiots who have a microphone in front That's of us. That's some but pretty the point tough is, shade, is that... Dan. I don't think you want to <laughs> rattle that hornet's nest. Point is, is that like we, I think, have gotten this far because I've provided you guys with quite a bit of story, and you guys have been able to play ball with everything I've given you, and I've been able to kind of like bounce back and forth with things. No. I think that that's something that deserves to be applauded. That like you think about how many campaigns have never come to a conclusion. And we're over here planning our retirement. We've got so much built up storyline and so many memories in the campaign. Our issue is not like, hey, can we wrap this up? Instead, it's like, well, how long would we play before we're like too tired of what we're doing? Kind of a remarkable thing, you know? But I guess we all deserve a round of applause for that one. Not going to you know, give anybody any applause on it, but, you know, it's impressive, you know? And it's not because of me. It's because of everybody, you know? So good work, everyone. Yeah, right. Including Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad I'm included in the campaign design. Uh, you know, justice once. Okay, good. Yeah. So I guess if anybody's got any final note on that. Hmm. Hmm. Trust your gut I mean, and be honest to your character and be honest to your DM if you're ready to end. Yeah. Don't be afraid to kill their character. It sucked anyway. Nope. Nobody needs a half Genasi, half 
tabaxi fucking cyanist. Like, you don't need it. Kill it. Advocate, uh, I'd say advocate for yourself. If something isn't working for you in your campaign, there's almost certainly a solution. Yeah, kill it. Jump an actual shark, session zero. Do it. No one can stop you. If you say in your backstory that you jumped the shark, no one can stop you. In your 20-page hyper-elaborate backstory. Burn that, then kill the character. (laughs) Um, As the gods intended. Yeah, right. Anyway, anyway, that was kind of a darker ending than I anticipated, but yeah. All right. Goodbye. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter. Or you can even send me an email at youngbrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.